Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you please bow your head with me? Dear Father, we know that you have promised in your word that where your word goes forth, it will not return to you void without accomplishing that purpose for which you sent it forth. But now this morning we pray that in my case, you would make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Some time ago, a gentleman, a friend, and I were talking, and while we were talking, he was visibly shaking. I, and not, not just a little tremor, but I mean really shaking. And you might be wondering why, and, and uh, I'll tell you, he had been an alcoholic for most of his adult life. And after nearly destroying his family and nearly destroying himself, he went sober, and now he was dealing with the effects of sobriety. And one of those effects is temptation. You might say, well, wasn't this the direct effects of his addiction? No, those effects were long gone. This was now several weeks past that time, maybe months past that time. But he was well aware of what the effect would be if he didn't stay sober, and yet he wanted a drink so bad he could hardly stand it. In his mind, and in his heart, and in his body, a battle was playing out, and he was shaking he wanted a drink so bad. And before we separated, we prayed together. We prayed that God would, would accompany him and would enable him with God's power to say no because he didn't want to destroy what was left of his family and what was left of his own life. We also prayed that God would enable him to turn right at the stop sign instead of going straight and going past the liquor store on his way home. And I'll, I'll just mention God answered that prayer and he never took another drink. But that was a crisis in his life that day that he faced. And it was a severe temptation. And God showed me on that day how severe sometimes temptation can be for an individual. In our lesson for this morning, God teaches us about temptation and about resistance to temptation. And it's found in Matthew chapter 4. That's where our lesson is found. Chapter 4 of Matthew, beginning with verse 1 and continuing to verse 11. And here's what we read. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now that's got to be an understatement, doesn't it? Afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge 
over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, behold angels came and ministered to him. That's our lesson for this morning, and it is the word of God upon which we want to meditate for the next few minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I see it, by the, by the way, this, these are three temptations that are mentioned here. No doubt, these are not the only temptations Jesus suffered during those 40 days in the wilderness. Be, and we know that because the Bible says that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. That was his purpose. In other words, he wasn't led out to and pray and fast as he had done at other times. This time he was led out for the purpose of temptation. And we read, of course, in the Bible that he was tempted in every way such as we are and yet remained without sin. And no doubt some of that temptation that St. Paul mentions occurred during this 40 days, but of course we know he was tempted many other times, uh, according to the Gospels as well. But these three temptations were written for our learning. And the first one, I think, was directed at Jesus to get him to doubt God's faithfulness. And the second one, I think, was directed at Jesus to get him to test God's faithfulness. And the third one was to get him to bypass God's faithfulness and God's plan altogether. Let's go back to the first one, shall we, for a minute? We're told he was led out into the desert by God himself. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? Jesus instructs us to pray, lead us not into temptation, and yet he goes out for the purpose of being tempted, the Bible says. And during this 40 days, he fasted. Now, we're not told why he fasted. Could be because he had a spiritual need to fast during this special time of temptation, or maybe because that the onslaught from the demonic world was so severe that according to his human nature, he was just so busy warding off the devil that he just had no time to think about eating. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why he was fasting. It does tell us that when it was over, or at least this 40 days was, was up, he was hungry. And so the devil suggests to him, turning some rocks into bread. I, I have to tell you, I'm tempted when it comes to this passage just to say, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Why not go ahead and turn some rocks into bread and, and eat? After all, you are hungry. Well, I can think of two or three reasons why this would have been wrong. And the first is not the least just because the devil said it. Right? The devil, that's, that's reason enough when the devil says something to say no to it, right? Because he never suggests something without an ulterior motive. 
The goal is not simply when he tempts you to get you to break one of God's commands. That's, that is the purpose in it, but that's not the only purpose. His ultimate goal is to destroy you, to destroy your relationship with God, and destroy your opportunity to go to heaven, to destroy it forever. That's his real motive. And so if he can get you to sin once, why, his ulterior motive is that that sin might lead to another and to another and to another. And Jesus does not cave in, and he doesn't cave in for a second reason, I think, and that is because this strikes at the heart of his, of his reliance upon God, his Father, and God's faithfulness. And upon God's care for him, when God led him out there in the first place. And so this is a temptation to doubt God's providence, his care, his love, and his faithfulness. And of course, Jesus knows that if God led him out there, and God has for 40 days taken care of his bodily needs so that he didn't even need to eat for 40 days, then even though he's hungry, God will meet the needs of this day as well. I want to mention something about this because there's, there's another side lesson here for us. There are times when the spiritual needs of our life compete with the physical needs of our life. And in those times, we must choose the spiritual. Perhaps you have been called upon to skip a meal in order to pray for someone or pray for something, or maybe you've been called upon to, to rise up early so that you don't forgo the sacraments on a particular Sunday morning, even though you were up all night doing something else. And your bodily needs compete with the spiritual needs. And it is, of course, our spiritual needs that have the greatest concern for us. Well, the first temptation was to doubt God's faithfulness. Then the second was to test God's faithfulness. By the way, have you ever doubted God's faithfulness for you? Have you ever prayed for something, I've done this, and even while you're praying, you, you're saying to yourself, I don't think God's going to do this. I don't think he's going to answer my prayer. <laughs> Why would he do this for me? Uh, we can insult God even in our prayers, can't we? Well, first temptation was to was to doubt God's faithfulness. Second was to test his faithfulness. The devil takes him up to a high place and says, throw yourself off because doesn't the Bible say God will rescue you from that? And, and uh, well, just jump off. And, and uh, this is the devil using Scripture and twisting it for a purpose for which it was never intended. And he can do that all the time. Luther says the devil's a great theologian. And he is. He knows the Bible better than we do. And if ever there is a lie, I think that Christians fall for over and over again, it is this one. And I, I think our chaplain mentioned that a few days ago in here. But it's for the Christian to say, well, all my sins are forgiven, aren't they? Jesus took my sins away. What will it hurt if I, if I cave on this temptation? What's that going to hurt? I can, I can repent after this. I can confess this sin and be forgiven again. And that is testing the faithfulness of God, isn't it? It's testing. Now, we can test God's faithfulness in a good way, and we can also test it in a bad way. And the good way is to rely upon his promises. But the bad way 
is just to see if we can get God to do something for us that we want him to do and, and, uh, and then test him in that way. Well, that was the, the second temptation, to try God's faithfulness, test it. The first one was to doubt it. And the third one is to bypass it altogether, bypass God's plan and his faithfulness to complete this plan, to bring it to completion altogether. You see, when Jesus came into this world, there was a plan in place, and this plan was in place from the foundation of the world, the Bible says. And that plan was to save your soul and mine, and it was for Jesus to come into this world, God the Son, to take upon himself human flesh and wear that flesh, be one of us, come in not just human flesh, the Bible says, but it says he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Doesn't mean he was sinful, but his flesh was the same as ours is what it means. Subject to disease, subject to pain, subject to exhaustion, and sickness. And he came in the likeness of sinful flesh to live a life in your place and to live a life in my place and to finally endure suffering and death and torture and pain and go to the cross. And at the end of it all, then he was to be glorified. And the devil tempts him now with a shortcut, a way to bypass the pain and go straight to the glory. And wouldn't you think that it'd be tempting to do that? If only Jesus would bow down and worship him. Thankfully, Jesus chose the path of pain, suffering, and the cross. And he did that for you and me. I want to take another sidelight here for just a moment. Because I would be neglectful if I didn't mention that the weapon that Jesus uses to, to fight against the devil here is the word of God, right? The Bible calls it the sword of the spirit. And he uses the word of God in all three of these temptations. And no doubt he used it all through these 40 days. And the nice thing about this is you have access to the same weapon. You have the same Bible that Jesus had, except now you've got the New Testament in addition to the Old. And you can wield that sword against the devil like Jesus did. And in this, in this way, he is our example when it comes to fighting temptation. But I'll tell you something. If Jesus is only our example here, then I'm in big trouble. If that's all he is, is our example. He's a great example. And we want to follow his example. Use the word of God, memorize it, and bring it out whenever we're tempted but if he is only our example, I'm in big trouble because I'll tell you something. It seems like about three-fourths of the time when I get tempted, I'm tempted so quickly and fall into sin so quickly, I don't even know I've been tempted before I've already fallen into sin. Some guy pulls out in front of me on the road and I'm already calling him an idiot before a millisecond has passed, you know. And, uh, and I don't even see the temptation coming half the time. Now, what I really need... And what you really need is a savior. That's what you need. That's what I need. And that's what Jesus really is. Because in taking our place as he did and resisting Satan, he was doing it in your place. For all the times I've caved, he never caved. And then he took your place as the substitute on the cross and he bore your sin there and he bore the, bore the punishment for that sin so that when God looks upon you, he doesn't see a filthy sinner. He sees the sinless, shining Son of God who was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin.
because he sacrificed himself on the cross then, that spotless lamb, his blood washed away every sin that you've ever committed, every time you've caved. You know what? Sometimes you get a, a sin that just doesn't seem to go away from, in your mind. Well, his blood washed that sin away. And it may exist in your mind, but that's the only place it exists. And so what a Savior we have. Because he's held up under severe temptation. You can trust him as your Savior. And now would you bow your head with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Gracious Father, because the adversary continually afflicts us and as a roaring lion walks about seeking to devour us, we ask you for the sake of the suffering and death of your Son, Jesus Christ, to help us by the grace of the Holy Spirit and to strengthen our hearts by your word that our enemy may not prevail over us, but that we may evermore abide in your grace and be preserved unto life everlasting through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.